0: said that next week he'll bring percussion and earlier when he was first here he said I'd be glad to come back if I don't get voted off the island. <laughs> and before he even had a chance to take a vote, he's yeah. already back. thank you. During the break you took a vote. Um, thank you so much. It's so good to have you guys here. For for those of you who also may not know, um, Joe and Amy have been at Warehouse Church for about 30 years. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean have been? Before something? Well, you have been there, but that doesn't mean... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you can't say you are going to continue to be there for 30 years. Okay, gotcha. This is why Joe is sometimes he's out there. Come on out. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to share another story about Vicky because this continues to go. You were just on a family retreat up in Michigan. And they were all sitting around the fire and she told her story to her, her to her whole family. Oh, your grandson and told the story to her grandson, and because he had never heard the whole story. How she came to Christ and about, you know, what she went through. And her grandson looked at her and said, well, this is the reason why we are all here. So just a powerful story. And then Carol Masters leaned over to Gwen after she was telling the story and said, Cal Markham, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, our scripture today is found in Matthew 12 verses 1 through 14. If you have your cell phones, you can look it up. If you have any other form, you might actually have a paper Bible that works uh, <laughs> wonderfully. Um, it's also on the sermon notes. But take a minute and just look up Matthew chapter 12 verses 1 through 14, and go ahead and just read through that, please. If I asked you, what do you do for rest? If I said, if Sunday is a day of rest, or you pick a day of rest, what do you do for rest? Um, You don't have to shout it out, you don't have to just, but think about that question. What do you do for rest? Um, for, For the Sabbath? I heard a a beatitude once, and it's not really a beatitude that Jesus said, but I think it's true. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. It's so easy, though, for us to become inflexible, isn't it? Especially as Christians. We find ourselves falling into traps of legalism, even though we would never acknowledge that we were legalistic. Because we care about God's word, or we care about the way certain things are done, or about Jesus' commandments, we hold on to those, and unfortunately, we begin to adapt them to our own expectations, or our own standards, in order that now we become uh, the standard by which people must conform. Um, How many times have you thought in your mind... Or said it out loud, well, if they were Christians, they would or would not do something. Or I thought they were, or how come? And so we sort of developed this legalistic standard by which we judge others. And we end up judging everybody by those standards. Even when those standards are based on tradition, not on the scripture and it's very easy for us to become set in our ways it's not only true for individuals but also for churches i gotta tell you to be perfectly honest when i retire there's two reasons why i won't be able to go anyplace but here one is you and two is the tables Uh, (laughs) to sit in a pew and to look at the back of a head while listening to a talking head just won't work for me anymore um, and it's a tradition. And I, you know, I'm not judging anybody else who goes to a church with pews, but for me, it's just become that kind of thing. And so we quickly fall into certain routines. Um, and the problem is that those routines can become sacred. And when someone upsets our routine, our routine we can be very upset. Ralph, neighbor wrote a book entitled The Seven Last Words of the Church. The Seven Last Words of the Church. Have any idea what those seven last words were? We've never done it that way before. Uh, Sadly, those are the very words which cause many churches to just die. Inflexibility, the openness, the willingness uh, to be free to change, um, and they could be the worst enemies of the church. Is that we've just never done it that way before? I mentioned Joe last week that he was going to be preaching here, or not, not preaching, uh, leading worship. But I mentioned, I know that, uh, and I and I mentioned that he had a heart transplant, and then as soon as he had his heart transplant, he immediately started taking anti-rejection drugs. And how many were you on? It was like 20 pills, but 10 different drugs. Yeah, 20 pills, 10 different drugs. And his body knew that he needed that heart. But at the same time, the body would try to reject that very heart. And it's interesting that even in the church... We know that something has to be changed, but when the change takes place, the body tries to reject the change. And that's why denominations have died, that's why churches have died, because instead of being open to the spirit of God, we will just subconsciously reject that. And to have that, it's interesting that in every other area, I mean, the medical profession understands that this is what the body needs. The body knows it needs it. We were going to do a transplant, but in order for that transplant to take place, we got to do things that prevent it from, re- from the body rejecting that. The church doesn't know how to do that. Instead, many times they just become more entrenched in the way they've done things and continue to push out anything that's fresh that God may be doing in their lives. And so Jesus comes along and he totally upsets the status quo. Uh, he, and, he and the disciples just sort of turn the world upside down. Or maybe in a better way, it would be that they turn the world right side up. And in the, today's passage, we have a situation where Jesus deliberately provoked certain groups of religious leaders to challenge their status quo. And the text reveals the area in which Jesus did was in the area of the Sabbath. The problem that Jesus encountered was the problem of the Pharisees' tradition. It wasn't a problem with the Scripture. It was a problem with how the Pharisees added to the Scripture. And so these traditions that the Pharisees had became law to them. They had elevated them above human need, even above the Word of God. And usually tradition um, begins from a good basis. We start something and it's a good tradition. And it doesn't spring just out of nowhere, just around tables. It's sort of a tradition, but it's not biblical. It's just a tradition. And it serves a purpose. But when it stops serving a purpose, if people said, no, we have to hold on to this because this is the way God wants it, then we've got a problem. You know, then we've got a problem. <clears throat> um, and such was the case of the tradition of Jesus' day. The Old Testament law had been given by God. It was the word of the Lord to Israel. They were to hear it, and they were to obey it. It would bring order to their lives. It would bring salvation. It would bring hope. It would bring healing. It was a standard by, of God to help people to live. Uh, but, the, but that law had not been left as the Lord God had given it. They started to change it and to make it fit their goals. The teachers of the law had added to the law what they believed should be the way to keep the law. So it's not just the law, but now this is the way you should keep the law. Um, What was good once now became a prison. What was good now became a prison. And it actually kept people from doing what the law intended them to do. The spirit of the law had been circumvented. And so instead of being the spirit of the law, of how we could truly live and experience the fullness of God, um, Jesus would say to them in Mark chapter 7 verse 9, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your traditions. So here's what God says, but you just sort of put that to the side so that you can keep your traditions. What an amazing statement that Jesus would make to them. And in keeping that tradition, they were actually keeping themselves and others from doing what God wanted them to do. And they became insensitive to human need. And that is the way with most tradition. It begins well-intentioned enough, but ends up replacing a spirit-led life. It ends up replacing the need to really seek the Lord, to really allow Jesus to lead us, to guide us, to empower us. And it's easy to rely on tradition instead of relying on God. And so today we see two instances in this story which point out the truth about man-made tradition. And in each of these instances we will see the action of Jesus on one hand and the attitude of the religious on the other. And the action of Jesus was to meet human need. So if you take a look at the people that are sitting around you, the action of Jesus was to meet each and every person's need. Okay? The attitude of the li- religious was to protect a tradition or protect a man-made doctrine. And that is so true today. Vicki's story just shared that. Here was, it doesn't matter what you can afford. You belong where people can love you. You belong where people can show you Christ. You belong where people can give you God's grace. And that's the message that each one of us should be sharing with others. It doesn't matter where you've been. This is what God can do for you. And the action of Jesus was to meet real human need. And it all centered on the issue of the Sabbath. And in order to understand the Sabbath, or to understand this, we need to understand a little bit about the Sabbath. Does anybody know what the word Sabbath actually means? We say rest, but what it really meant was to cease. To cease what you would normally do for six days, stop it, just cease it, and do something else. We call it rest, and we developed our own day for it, because now Sunday is supposed to be the day of rest. What I find very interesting in the United States, we have truly grasp the understanding of rest. We may not all do it, but you know, somebody says, well, what are you going to do today? Well, I'm just going to watch the Bears. It's my day of rest. Or I'm going to watch baseball. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to have my day of rest. It wasn't a day of rest. That's not the only purpose of it. The purpose was to help people reorient themselves to God. It was to worship. Um... And so, take the seventh day, the Sabbath, the day of ceasing, and keep it holy. Keep it holy. Um, And the Sabbath commandment is one of the Ten Commandments, but it is the only commandment that has no, no moral tone to it. It doesn't say anything about morality. It just says, keep this day holy. Because the Sabbath was connected to the heart of God his benevolence, his mercy, his kindness, and good. And that's really the purpose of the Sabbath. Jesus came that we might enter into a relationship with God in which he pours out his grace, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his peace, his benevolence, and his tenderness. And we need that. Um, We need to know, and we need to be reminded on a weekly basis... That regardless of what we're going through, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's forgiveness is with us. And we will keep ourselves so busy that we will forget that. And we will say, I need a break. I need a vacation. I need a rest. And we will do whatever it is that brings us comfort and rest. But we forget the second side. That says, but the other purpose is to remind myself that I'm not God. That I don't have all the answers. That God is God and that he provided this day for me so I could reconnect with him. And in the process of reconnecting with him, I can be refreshed and renewed and focused and reoriented to what my life needs to go and needs to be and so it's not just a legalistic thing that says you have to do nothing and it is amazing the blue laws that we had where you couldn't do certain things on a Sunday and we'll talk about that but it didn't say so that you can point yourselves and reorient yourselves to a right relationship with God we hit the first part make sure you get rest but not the second part. Get renewed. Get renewed. Uh, and in our passage today, what starts out as a natural and innocent act by Jesus' disciples ends up escalating into a summit-level confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees. And so he's walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. And the disciples pick some grain. And that is perfectly legal. In Deuteronomy 23, 24, 25, it says, When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, then you may eat grapes until you are fully satisfied. But you shall not put any in your basket when you enter your neighbor's standing grain. Then you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not wield a sickle in your neighbor's standing grain. So if you were walking along or traveling, and you came by a grape field, you came by a grape vineyard, or you came by a field, you're traveling, there's no McDonald's, okay, just take a couple of, you know, some grain, take some grapes, some sustenance, and keep on walking. That was perfectly legal. That was perfectly legal. But according to the Pharisees, they added their own laws that said, you can't reap, you can't thresh, you can't winnow, and you can't prepare a meal on the Sabbath. So when the disciples are taking it, they're rubbing... It, which they're sort of threshing it, and they're throwing it up and letting the, you know, the shaft go away. So they're winnowing, and then they're eating. They're preparing a meal. So what the law said it was perfectly okay. The Pharisees have now said, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And so they just changed the whole law. So the disciples now were in trouble. Um, and now you see all kinds of other laws about no work on the Sabbath, you could spit on a rock, but you couldn't spit on the dirt. Because if you spit on the rock, it was okay, but if you spit on the dirt, it could make mud, and mud was used to make mortar, so you were making mortar on the Sabbath. These are true, folks. I'm not making these up. Um, You were allowed to walk without restriction in your dwelling place, But you couldn't travel more than um, a thousand yards away from your house. And that's what they used to call a Sabbath day journey, a thousand yards. You could do nothing to improve the condition of something. So if somebody needed medical attention, you couldn't heal them. You could only prevent them from getting worse. And those were the rules of the Sabbath that God never put in there. But the Pharisees did. And so when Jesus was confronted with the rules for the Sabbath concerning his disciples picking grain to satisfy their hunger, he reminded them that in their scripture, there was evidence of readiness of God to meet the needs of people. As he met the need of David and his hungry men by allowing them to eat the bread, he's saying, meeting the needs of people is first and foremost. And then Jesus gave them the real purpose of the Sabbath, as God intended for it. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But it did not end there. Jesus throws down the gauntlet when he returns to the synagogue on the the Sabbath day. And there, the Pharisees are waiting for him to try to trick him again. And he went on there, and he entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. And again, according to the Sabbath laws that they made, you couldn't heal him. You could just make him from getting worse. And he had this problem for a long time. And so the Pharisees saying, come back during the week when it's not the Sabbath and you can heal him. But you can't do it today. Because that would be breaking the law. But for Jesus, the man with the withered hand comes first. Even though the healing is destined to provoke a showdown, he's taken the initiative. Jesus asked the man to step forward into a full public view. He said to them, Which of you who has a sheep it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do a good on the Sabbath? So he just immediately said, you would save a sheep, but you're not going to save a man or heal a man? Really? You put an animal's rights above the well-being of a human being? And said, which of you is going to do that? And then he calls out the man, and the man stretched out his hand, and it was healed. And the Pharisees at that point, instead of saying, wow, he really is the Son of God, were angry because it broke their tradition. It broke their man-made laws. So instead of seeing the Scripture, they were angry because it broke their tradition. And they went out to conspire against him and how to destroy him. Now, ironically... This healing adds insult to injury because by simply asking the man to stretch out his hand, Jesus doesn't break any law. He just says, just reach out your hand. And for the man to reach out his hand is not breaking any law. And so as he reaches out his hand and his hand is healed, Jesus hasn't done anything. He hasn't touched him. He hasn't said be healed, all of a sudden his hand is healed. He's broken no law. And so the Pharisees have no way to deal with that. They have no ability to handle that. So he exposed the evil of the Pharisees. And in doing that, they hated him for it. And from that time on, they plotted to kill him. Think of it. The Pharisees were meant to be God's specialists in human salvation. They were supposed to be the specialist in God's love. They were supposed to be the specialist in God's law. And now who are they counseling with? Caesar's specialists in human slaughter. So you have these Pharisees who said, our whole purpose is to present God's law and love to people And now we're conspiring with Caesar's people whose whole purpose is to slaughter anyone who is against them. That's been going on ever since. Christians compromising, joining government to do things that maybe God never really expected us to do. You know? But I know that sometimes Christians will do things when either they are powerful or powerless. When the Christian community feels powerless, we want to find some kind of power. So we will do something to align ourselves with some unholy alliance. And when we have power, we will do the same. Because power corrupts. Instead of just saying, you know what, this is really All that God has called us to do. Again, we see the action of Jesus in meeting human needs. And the attitude of the religious Pharisees as they would shout, just keep the law. Keep the law. I hope each and every one of us understands that God's ultimate desire is to meet our needs. Not always our wants, but our deepest spiritual, relational, emotional needs God wants to meet. And so when we go through that life, and we go through these experiences, do we have the sense that I can find Sabbath rest in Christ, where he truly speaks to me, reorients me, fills me with his peace, fills me with his grace, fills me with his love, in order that when i face the reality of everyday life he's there for me god desires to do a new thing in your life he desires to deepen your relationship to bring you into new areas of ministry and service to use you in a greater capacity but in order to do that we must be willing to get out of the rut of our own thoughts and say okay god what do you really want me to do? What do you really want for me? And how can I grow in my relationship with you? Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Blessed are the flexible, for they are pliable in God's hands. Father, I just praise you and thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to just come together to be challenged by your word. To understand what it truly means to find rest in you. That we just don't find rest, but that there's a purpose for that rest. There's a purpose for the Sabbath to help us to reorient and to find peace in you. And Lord, as we are so busy with so many things, as there's all kinds of things just screaming at us. Help us to take time to truly step back, to listen to you, to find peace and comfort. dear Father, we praise you and we thank you. And we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Real quick.